When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you ready to take your business to the next level? Every day there are countless books and articles that are published offering the key on how to make your business a success. It's easy to feel overwhelmed trying to keep up and run your business. That's why Deb Creer created the Business Power Hour. Keep up on the latest trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. Let the Business Power Hour do the heavy work for you. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about giving professionals the tools that they need to make themselves and their businesses as successful as possible. And oh my gosh, we're going to have so much fun today. I feel like I'm going back to my roots because when I started in business, years ago, I was doing public relations and I absolutely loved it. Still do. I think it's great. And it's it's a fabulous way for people to get their message out there and be heard. And so we're going to be talking with a true expert today. So please join me in welcoming Susan Haro to our program today. Welcome, Susan. How are you? So happy to be here with another PR person who really understands what it was like in the old days to the new days, which is so different than when you and I, I mean, I started before the internet. Mm -hmm. Yep. Al Gore hadn't invented it yet. Mm -hmm. We were excited about sending blast facts. That was like a revolution. Yeah. And, And we had pictures that we put labels on the back of that we mailed to (laughs) mail the post office. So yeah, it's a totally different world. I know. I know. Well, let me tell people a little bit about you and then we'll tell everybody else what the heck it is that we're talking about. So Susan Haro is a media trainer, marketing strategist, martial artist, and author of sell yourself without selling your soul for 33 years. You started when you were four. She's run a worldwide media consultancy where she's trained thousands of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders worldwide to turn their message into money while becoming highly desirable. Repeat guests who shine in the media spotlight. You may know her as the go-to girl for getting on Oprah. What you might not know about her is that she has a black belt in Aikido and was recruited by the CIA to be a spy. And I read your fun bio and oh my gosh, there's a lot more there. So again, Susan, welcome. I'm so happy to be here. I mean, you have got such a great history and I think that that really speaks to lasting like a real legacy that people want to build when they do start to do PR instead of being like the 15 seconds of fame Mm -hmm. to really build your lasting legacy, to make a difference, to Mm -hmm. be remembered, to do something that's meaningful to you and meaningful to your community, which I I think- I love it. I love it. Well, thank you. You know, and, and that is what you work with people to do is to leave that legacy as opposed to the quick little sound bite that nobody remembers. But- I always want to find out how it is that my guests got to where they are today. So how is it that you got here? 
And it's hard to even know where to start. Like, I mean, I majored in Shakespeare, right? Like, so, but I think that that's like the universal story Mm -hmm. that Shakespeare has like the best stories of Mm -hmm. universal passions and traumas and dramas, Mm -hmm. right? But I think we'll start where where I was, where I became a publicist and I became a publicist. I thought it was like the great marriage. I was in high tech sales in an all male environment. And I thought that, uh, and there was a gal in my writing class mm-hmm. who was a publicist for the North Face and Bill Graham Presents. And I said, hey, can I trail you? Mm-hmm. And so I went and saw what she did. And she goes, do you want to give it a try? And I'm like, hey, can I listen to you first? And she jumped mm-hmm. on the phone. I listened to her pitch and she said, now you do it. Mm-hmm. And I was already used to being on the phone and, Mm -hmm. you know, in sales. And I jumped on the phone and I started booking clients on in the Wall Street Journal, the New York Mm -hmm. Times, on Oprah, Larry King Live. And then um, she sort of turned over the business to me. She was, you know, yeah, and Mm -hmm. had been tired of it. And then I started booking all my clients on all these great shows Mm -hmm. and all these great placements. And Mm -hmm. sometimes what I found that would happen would be a great big nothing. And I started to investigate why. Mm-hmm. Right. And it was because of who they were and what they were saying. Mm-hmm. And so I started media training them to get the results that they wanted. Even though I was a publicist and I was paid just to book them, mm-hmm. I said, let me start training mm-hmm. them right. so their media <laughs> would make a difference. And I loved it so much that I made that transition totally to the media training part. And I do the marketing strategic planning, mm-hmm. the, the strategic plan and the right. branding. Because plan. it's all part of it. It is all part of it. And it's everything that you do say are and think from your words to your website need to be congruent and consistent. So when you go out with your offer, you actually it actually has an effect and has results. And that's what I focus on, getting those real results mm-hmm. for your business and growing your brand. Right. I love it. You know, and it it really is, you know, going back to, you know, when when we first started in this business. The olden days. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and, and it was it was very different. You know, we were talking before the program. There was no internet. We had to pick up the phone or we had to email or drop in on, on the media. And, and a big part of it was you developed relationships with reporters, with programs, all of those various things. And so your personal reputation had to be absolutely stellar. And, and that was one of the things that I learned very early on was you know they had to trust that when i sent them someone they were going to be a good interview i think that's still true today with with publicists and their reputation and certainly that's where media training comes in mm-hmm. and why even pr firms right. i work with a lot of pr firms too because mm-hmm. like this person is great but mm-hmm. i can't really book them because it would be their reputation mm-hmm. i can't really book them until they're more mm-hmm. media ready right. and that's what we do and it's to the person's benefit too because you can have the greatest media in the world but if you're not saying the right things mm-hmm. to drive business and connecting with your audience mm-hmm. then publicity doesn't have the effect that you want mm-hmm. And then you go, people say, oh, publicity doesn't work, but it's not publicity. Mm -hmm. It's your presence Mm -hmm. plus your message Mm -hmm. equals whether you're going to have a result. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, tell us why this is even important, because I think so many people, first of all, they're scared of the media. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and, and but more importantly, why should they even be doing this? Because I think so many people think. I'll just post on Facebook. I'll send out a tweet. I don't need to have anybody else help. So walk us through why it's so important to still consider this as a very large part of your marketing plan. 
So if you are actually building a brand, it's essential. If you just want to build a business, maybe it's not as essential, but the kind of credibility that you get Mm -hmm. when you're actually doing traditional media is incomparable. And also, so are the effects, the long-term effects. Not only can you use the logo and use all of that collateral in your social media, but because you've passed through the gauntlet Mm -hmm. of the media, even to get, you know, even a Mm -hmm. podcast like yours, I mean, vet people first, Mm-hmm. You know, so those people are vetted. Social media, there's no vetting. The right. vetting is in your audience. Mm-hmm. And while that has value and there's great value in social media, it's a different kind of value. Mm-hmm. And social media is more like the short term. It's it's very quick and very mm-hmm. fast. Like if you're on TikTok, for example, and something happens, you know, you can have this gigantic burst. Mm-hmm. ASAP, I was just reading about Squishmallows, which are these little, they're these toys that are only $8. The company mm-hmm. has grown 300% because now oh. people, yeah, can mm-hmm. are, you know, in this time where people are really looking at the budgets, mm-hmm. it's $8 for these cute little squishable pillow-like mm-hmm. things. And they've become a TikTok sensation. And I just was researching it before, you know, saying, well, how many TikTok videos are there for people like hunting for squishmallows? Mm-hmm. Some of them, one of them had like 425,000 views. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that has helped push that to the top. So mm-hmm. can it help with this push? Now, is that going to be long lasting? So no. my recommendation, <laughs> no. Short and sweet, and then people are on to the next mm-hmm. thing. So it's great for a short burst. And social media is the same with an influencer who's going to see it in that second. You also don't have control of the algorithm, right. meaning that Facebook, Instagram, um, TikTok, they can mm-hmm. all change and your, your things can't be seen. Mm-hmm. So when you're on traditional media, mm-hmm. you can then take that and put that on your website forever and promote it forever too. So it's the it's the forever feel, you mm-hmm. know, and and also it can complement your social media. Mm-hmm. So I think that together that you would create a very robust campaign. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, and, and uh, traditional media is has has changed very much through the years. You know, when you and I started, there weren't you know, there weren't all those many networks. Um, I I don't remember if CNN and things like that existed when I started, but if if they if they did, they were still fairly new. But you you had your major networks, and then you had your local, but you didn't have anything else. And I remember the first time that I heard that you know people who did podcasts and blogs were being given press credentials. I was just blown away by that um, because I was thinking. No, you know, you ain't Walter Cronkite, which I really just aged myself there, right? <laughs> you yeah. Know, and so talk about how things have really changed. So things have changed too in terms of the vetting process. That's why fake news is getting by. That's why someone can actually take a real video, which is super scary, like what they did with Nancy Pelosi, mm-hmm. and change it to make it look real. And it's mm-hmm. only after it's done its damage that it can right. be taken back. Mm-hmm. So what I do want to say is why it's so important to have your messaging down is because mm-hmm. once something leaves your mouth or mm-hmm. once you do something, once something's on video, mm-hmm. you can never take it back. Right. It's out there forever and it can be searched by mm-hmm. LexisNexis and people can, even if you've deleted it, people can mm-hmm. still find it. So it's super important to be deeply intentional mm-hmm. about your messaging. The other thing is that there's a lot of um, change between what's paid and what's 
play. I mean, I was just looking at something in The Guardian, which is a very respected uh-huh. UK. And I didn't realize until the end that it was a paid. Oh, paid, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, was it said it was tiny, the advertorial type of thing. advertorial. It was a very well done article, but it was it was, and I was like, why is this just one woman being featured in this article? And it mm-hmm. was because it was a a, a paid paid vertorial. It was an mm-hmm. advertorial. So I think consumers need to really look at too what is being vetted. True PR when you have earned the media and you're not paying for it is the way that you get the most credentials and the most Mm -hmm. uh, reputation boost. But I think that people are less aware of that right now. And also lines have blurred even in blogging and in Mm -hmm. online magazines. So for example, right now, Reader's Digest prioritizes, like for their gift list, they prioritize people who have um, affiliate programs, meaning Mm -hmm. they're making Mm -hmm. money off what they're promoting. Mm -hmm. So we we really need to look at like is this a true vetting of a product or a service mm-hmm. or is someone making money from it and is right. that going to tarnish it or at least change the idea of mm-hmm. of really having this product truthfully told mm-hmm. or right. product services right. too yeah mm-hmm. so that's one way and then i'm seeing lots more product placements meaning in movies and on tv shoes when mm-hmm. you see like a box of cereal or or you see an apple computer mm-hmm. I was just thinking, you see the Apple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or someone's book, like one of my colleagues had her book, you know, and she didn't pay for that, actually. They had asked if they could use her book or she just saw it, you know, so that's the best thing if somebody, if you're not paying for it and your book or your product is featured. Yeah. I love it. You know, and and from, you know, start of when we did this to now, I've always had a challenge of explaining to people what PR is and what advertising is, you know, and, and, and I, you know, I've had multiple times where someone has said, that's not the way that I wanted it to be. Here's what I went, or, you know, uh, we wanted it, we wanted the story to run on X date and they didn't. And I said, what you're talking about is an ad. (laughs) And when you do an ad, you have full control. You can say, you know, this is, this is exactly what it's going to say. You're not going to change it. This is when it's going to run, or I won't pay you. All of those things, and and so the the tricky thing with PR and publicity is you kind of are at the whims of whoever is you know whatever outlet you're going on. That's the scary part, and that's why the really getting your messaging down and then role playing it and getting it into your muscle and mental memory and playing mm-hmm. all of the most horrible and hideous scenarios too. Mm-hmm. The worst case scenario is I do that with every single client. Like, what is the worst possible thing? I was actually media training one of my um, one of my clients who's a, a diversity and inclusion expert, yeah. mm-hmm. and I was playing, you know, like a little bit more of a sexist, um, mm-hmm. a sexist, shall we say, white white male. Mm-hmm. And she actually said to me, "I forgot it was you." <laughs> and I was really picturing mm-hmm. this man that was making me mm-hmm. really mad. Mm-hmm. And we got to see what her reaction and response was and how to modify that because right. we don't know how we're going to be triggered. Mm-hmm. So in the media training process in that role play, we want to make sure that your all of your triggers and everything, mm-hmm. we explore them ahead of time mm-hmm. so it doesn't happen on national TV. Right. 
And, and anything that you don't want on earth from your past or any kind of boundaries you set, we want to set those ahead of time. And, and for example, another client was leading me into a conversation about a very private area of her life. And I said, um, you just gave me an opening. Is this something that you want to talk about? And mm-hmm. she said, no. And I said, well, you just opened the door for me. Right. And she hadn't even realized mm-hmm. it. And I said, so we need to really carefully plan out those things so you don't inadvertently open a door you mm-hmm. don't want to go down because a reporter or, or, or a host mm-hmm. is going to pick up a, right. on that immediately because that's where the juicy stuff mm-hmm. is. Right. right. Not that we're trying to embarrass you. What mm-hmm. they want is a great show. And what a great show is unplanned material. Mm-hmm. And right. what we want is to deliver the planned material and also leave room mm-hmm. for the spontaneity, but this kind of spontaneity that you only say what you want your audience mm-hmm. to know. Mm-hmm. And that takes right. quite a lot of practice and people mm-hmm. don't realize it. So when you and I were talking ahead of time, like, um, you know, the media is to be feared, the mm-hmm. media is to be respected. Right. They're doing a job. They're doing a job. And you need to be prepared for mm-hmm. the job that they need to do. And the way to do that is to really be able to maneuver and say say what you need to say, no matter if someone asks you a very private or personal mm-hmm. or a question. And that's what we practice um, over and over and over again until until you're comfortable enough. And then you go out and practice it on a podcast or you know, before you do national TV, practicing it on a podcast or on a radio show. And so you can see what kind of issues come up. And then we work on those, like what happened? What did you do well? What happened that threw you mm-hmm. that we can tweak for the next time? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, and I love that that you keep saying you have to be prepared. You know, and right. and I think that the one of the problems is when people watch someone like you doing an interview, they think, well, it comes so natural to you. Well, no, you practiced. You had, you know, you've you've done all of this. And when I was reading your book, I was so impressed with, and again, let me let me give the title, selling yourself without selling your sell yourself. soul. Sell yourself without selling sell yourself. yourself. Yeah. <laughs> without selling your soul. Had the cells mixed up. Um and you've you've got all these steps in there and and worksheets and and it really is a process of as you said figuring out what's your message what do you want to come out of this you know all of these various things <coughs> excuse me and it's it is a process of going through all of that before you ever think about hey we're going to pitch because you have to have that message down. Because for one thing, if you don't have your message down and you just say, well, hey, Susan, I'd like to be interviewed on your program. <laughs> that's probably not going to get you very far, right? But you know, when you say, here is why I, wanna, you know, why I would like to be on your program and all of the various steps and, and things in your book, I think it's just a fabulous way for people who are thinking about doing this. It's a, it's a great tool for them. Thank you for that. And I've actually turned that into a program called the Zen of Fame, Your Genius Gone Viral. Mm -hmm. So all of those um, templates, because I love templates, Mm -hmm. um, and things are are automated in software and everything in the program. And the reason why I do that is because um, the media wants things in a formulaic way. Mm -hmm. And there's lots of creativity within those formats. Mm -hmm. But even, you know, with us getting connected, I mean, I have a podcast booker. Mm -hmm. And of course, before, you know, our process, just so Mm -hmm. people know, is she sent me your podcast and said, do you think this show is right for you? Mm-hmm. I go, I listened to your show. I listened mm-hmm. to a couple of episodes. I crafted a comment about an episode. Mm-hmm. And then I looked through all the people that you had mm-hmm. ahead of time to see where do I fit in? Have you already covered right. something that mm-hmm. 
And then I said, okay, she hasn't covered this. Mm -hmm. And then I suggested that and you accepted it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and then we went back and forth behind the scenes about like what kind of questions we wanted to ask. Now, you don't necessarily ask me, even though we planned out the questions, you're not mm-hmm. necessarily asking those questions. But I, I know, you know, squirrel. We're, 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 oh, <laughs> no, yeah, squirrel, there's a flow. And that's what happens with media. Like we can do the best laid plans and we and we do for sure for TV, which is much more tightly scripted. Right. We do have those questions. We have those answers, mm-hmm. but can be out of order. They can go off script. People can start mm-hmm. to chat. That's where you want to be able to figure mm-hmm. out the flow in between. And, you know, both you and I have been doing this for a really long time. So what you're seeing is 33 years of training, mm-hmm. you know, and does that mean that I never get thrown off? Absolutely not. Right. I mean, sometimes people ask me a question, I'm flat footed and I mm-hmm. need to buy time, but I have techniques to do that, that I train my clients with too. Like if you are thrown off and my Aikido training, Japanese martial arts is mm-hmm. really great because um, one of the things that we practice is when you're thrown off center, mm-hmm. how do you just take a breath and get mm-hmm. back on center? And nobody, most of the time, it's not visible. Mm-hmm. It's visible to somebody like me, who's a media trainer, when mm-hmm. I can see somebody's- right, You saw the little deer in headlights. Or the deer in headlights are the moment mm-hmm. of you know shock. Mm-hmm. But then it's the important thing is about recovering. It's not like, oh, are you thrown off? It's like, can you recover? Can you say- what you came to say. And I wanted to address something super important that you said earlier too. It's it's the strategic planning behind the scenes before you ever connect with the media. Mm-hmm. It's like, where do you where do you want your business to go and grow that we look at first that sets the foundation for that? And we're really looking at that completely holistically mm-hmm. in terms of all areas of your life because media can open that up for you. So that's the foundation before we even start creating those mm-hmm. messaging. And and that's so important to setting the foundation before you jet off that picture press mm-hmm. release to the to the media. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and one of the things that you talk about in your book too is okay, you might eventually want to be on something major, but you probably have to start small. Um, you know, with your local press, you know, depends on, on what you're doing as to, to what is considered local. But you know, I remember one time I had a client who hired me to promote her book. It was a fabulous book. Uh, she it was her story of dealing with breast cancer, mm-hmm. and you know, and I said, now what are your goals? And she said, Oprah, which you know you you could relate to, right? And this was back when Oprah still did the book of the month. Sure. And I told her, I said, well, what have you done prior to that? Nothing. She wanted to go from zero to Oprah, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and I said, okay, first of all, no, we need to build a bank of other interviews. So that when we talk to her people, they can see what you would be like. And that that really was part of it. You know, what type of interview is she going to be? And I also told her, I said, you know, you do need to consider that those who go on Oprah and sell their book, they're going to sell many, many, many copies immediately. Can you do that? Yeah. Well, she couldn't. You know, she had a case in her basement. And that was pretty much it. So, you know, now she, I'll tell you, she was not happy with me. She really wanted to go from zero to Oprah. We worked together for a little bit. You know, I got hers. Now, this was in Denver. So this was a fairly major media um, market. She wasn't happy with those. And and she, you know, I finally said, this is not working out. <laughs> you know, but But yeah, we do need to start small and build up. Plus, it helps us build our confidence, right? You know, when we're 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 more likely to know what's going to come up 
when we've been dealing with it for many interviews. I love that you talked about confidence and then starting to you know walk a mile before you run a marathon because um, you if people say you know they want national TV and they've never mm-hmm. done you before they don't know what they're in for mm-hmm. you know and that's those are the people that I I worry about if you're not worried I'm worried mm-hmm. because. Because that is the creme de la creme, and there's lots and lots of work mm-hmm. that goes back into that. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for Oprah, essentially, the the guesstimate was that you needed to have about 50,000 units. I think I told her 30, but this would have been 20-some yeah. years ago. So. Yeah, yeah. So so you really need to have to have that prepared. I mean, so many people who are on Oprah said, you know, their website was shut down, no matter how well prepared they were, and they right. sold out anyway. So yes, you have to be prepared. But it is starting local or starting smaller and getting the practice in and getting and get into your mental and muscle memory so you know what it feels like because that's really essential to get the feel of it and start to get the rhythm of it mm-hmm. before you start to move up so you were so smart to say start on local tv and start in your local newspaper mm-hmm. start in your local area start on blogs start on easy blogs are easiest then you know online publication mm-hmm. then you can move to if you're comfortable speaking you mm-hmm. know podcasting and radio and then tv is last because it's you have two or four minutes or three of six minutes back mm-hmm. and forth at, at, you know, super fast speed and sometimes with multiple hosts. So it's, mm-hmm. it's very, um, it's, it takes quite a lot of skill or you're on a panel, mm-hmm. right? You're on a news show. Right. So you need to be able to negotiate your own energy and your own time. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of practice that mm-hmm. goes into that. So it's very smart to start and then to build the, that competence builds confidence. Right. So being able to do those local shows and to do any kind of, you know, kind of interviews that are mm-hmm. in magazines or online, right? Or um, or an Instagram live, for example, mm-hmm. you know, or a Facebook live. Mm-hmm. Those are all really great ways to practice to get used mm-hmm. to the back and forth and to then have a demo of that on your website. So mm-hmm. when the media comes to vet you, they can see mm-hmm. whether even if like a podcast like this, they can see the back and forth. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing that you you do, and we mentioned this in the bar, is the actual media training. Yes. And to me, and I've told people, I don't care if you ever want to be interviewed. To me, media training is just a a critical tool to have because, you know, sometimes it could be your employees who are throwing rapid fire questions at you. It could be a business partner. It could be media. But to me, media training, one of the things that it does is it really does teach you to think on your feet, Um, you know, but it also helps you develop that presence. So talk us through what media training does. Yeah. And so I've media trained the ACLU, AMC theaters, um, you know, a lot of corporate clients who um, Amazon AI for good, a lot of corporate clients because they're speaking to different audiences and Mm -hmm. it's still, it's like a mini media Mm -hmm. appearance anyway, um, especially today. And even, you know, wealth managers at a $40 billion company on to negotiate how to work Mm -hmm. on a panel or how to use a Zoom call to your advantage too, because there's different skills in each different medium. There's skills to managing your time on a, on a panel, but then also managing how you answer or interrupt other people, whether it's both live or in person. So media training is we listen to the listen to the way that you speak naturally mm-hmm. after we've gotten your foundation down and what do you want to communicate, and then we start doing mock interviews mm-hmm. of those actual 
each different separate venue. So what is it going to be like for a magazine? What is it going to be like for a podcast? What is it going to be like for a TV show? And then we get granular, meaning like if you are booked on the Today Show, we play out or 60 Minutes, you know, Mm -hmm. it's completely different. Right. What would it be like on 60 Minutes? I've media trained clients for 60 Minutes. That's a very different interview. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, people for Bill O'Reilly, who's not on the air anymore, but that was one of the hardest, Mm -hmm. you know, most aggressive. So we look at the medium and the hosts and their Mm -hmm their style and all of that and get you used to Mm -hmm. doing it exactly as if you were doing a live interview in that venue so Mm -hmm. you can understand what that would really be like Mm -hmm. in that particular scenario with that particular person and personality. Mm -hmm. And then we review it. What did Mm -hmm. you do well? What are you going to shift for next time? Um, What went well? What do you want to keep? And where did you get tripped up? And we start to role play those again. And then you go do another interview. Right. And we can you know, and yeah. and it's sometimes it's it's simple things that we don't realize we do. I remember one of the times I was doing media training with someone, and I and I finally said, "Get your hand out of your pocket." Mm. And he was one of those gentlemen who was the the key jangler, right? And, oh, and no. so yeah, you know, and and <laughs> well, you and could said, hear it too. You, you could, could hear, hear the jingle, 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 jingle. Oh, you know, and, and it was like no, even though you know we were filming from chest up, you could hear this jingle, jangle, and like, and chairs. Chairs are always, be, you know, like you and I are sitting on chairs that probably move and they walk. do swivel a little, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and mm-hmm. so you know, and you talked about this in your book. Practice with both feet flat on the floor. Cause it actually is kind of hard to make it do all of those other things. Mm. Um, when both feet are flat on the floor, yes. how you're dressed, you know, can, can do so much. That's one of the things, especially with women. And I know you, you've worked a lot with women. Jewelry is, can always be an issue. And, and then there's, hello, my glasses, right. That are um, going to reflect, going to do weird things. So that's where, Having the unbiased media trainer can really help with that. Yeah. And we jump up on video and we look, I actually did with one of my clients who was on a reality TV show, um, just the wardrobe because he was, Uh he, he wanted help with his wardrobe. So Uh yeah, we just jumped up on video. I had him, you know, gave him a shopping list and jumped up. And then the producer of the next series he was Uh on for two seasons Uh said, you know, fantastic Uh choice. And, you know, cause he really had worked with um, uh, several media trainers to mm-hmm. have his bites down. So he was really just about that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we really look at everything because everything sums up your presence, mm-hmm. you know, right. So it's, it's everything. And, and we want you to be comfortable, but at the same time, know what the camera loves. Like even uh, this today, most of the time I don't mm-hmm. wear patterns, but this mm-hmm. is like a big, bold pattern. So mm-hmm. Versus a little tiny one. Right. The, yeah. Because let me just tiny tie patterns get a yeah. little wonka doodle with cameras. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we look at all of all of those things because people I think worry mm-hmm. most about how they look and that they should lose those mm-hmm. 20 pounds, but we all think that, you know, you have to mm-hmm. come as it's a come as you are party. Mm-hmm. We have to start where we are. Um and now I've forgotten your question. There was a question. You, you were in there. You, you know, I was, and, did I answer it? Sort yes, of. You did. You know, and, and it's funny because some of the things that we do, I mean, one of the biggest mistakes I ever made myself, and this was just absolutely hilarious, I was uh, filming videos, promo videos that I was going to be posting, you know, going to a studio, doing, you know, paying the money to do this, doing all of this stuff. And of course, they were going to have a green screen behind me. We're all pretty familiar now with what green screens are. You know, I've this is what's behind me is actually not a green screen. I think what you have behind you is is what's really behind you. But yeah. we do know what green screens are. Well, 
right in the middle of my shirt was a green stripe. <laughs> the exact color of the green screen. Oh, no. <laughs> and so part of me disappeared. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And it was like, oh, you know, and, and it really was one of those where I thought, you know, I should know better. And fortunately, the person that I took with me had a very nice blouse that I could borrow. <laughs> you know, she and I just swap. But, really you know, it, it is it's thinking about things like that and thinking about them, obviously, in advance so that you're not worrying about it when you're there. That's so true. And I love that. I, now I remember what I was going to say, because you were talking about the key jangling. Mm, yes. So, mm-hmm. You don't know what you're going to do until the pressure is on. And you really want to be able to see yourself under pressure to know what happens because other things happen. You do weird things with your face where mm-hmm. there's suddenly a tick or something that you're not aware of. And we need to look at that ahead of time. And I was media training a group in person recently. And one woman who had never done any media, she was um, j- jiggling her leg, like you mm-hmm. said, and she had lots of lots of energy. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, you know, you need to hold still, especially in a media interview, you want to, you can use your hands like this, mm-hmm. but you want to hold very, very mm-hmm. still. And she's like, why is that important? This is what I want to do. And I said, you can do anything you want and know that it will be, that that is distracting. Mm-hmm. So it, what we're, what we're looking for is anything that distracts or detracts mm-hmm. from your message. We want to eliminate. Right. So we want to look at what is most effective. And so the foot jangling is, I said, so let's just bring all of that energy up to your face. You obviously have a lot of energy. Let's move it from your foot, right. you know, and mm-hmm. bring it into your aliveness here and bring it to your upper body because mm-hmm. that's where we're filming. Right. And even though we can see your leg and let's try that, let's try mm-hmm. shifting and managing your energy. So that's what we're all looking at. Like, what do you do naturally? Can we use it? Mm-hmm. Can we change it? Is it part of your personality? Like, um, oh, who's the newscaster who always bops up and down? Who's a, um, a Berkeley commentator? Oh, of course, I'm forgetting also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that's part of his trademark. So I wouldn't change the fact that he does this all the time. Right. Because it's right. part of it's part of his brand. Well, and if know? he were to start focusing on not doing it, that's yeah. probably going to throw him off. Yeah. And it's effective and you want to keep watching and you kind of go like, when's he's good? When is he going to do that? You're waiting for the, yeah, Yeah, you're actually sort of waiting for it. You're anticipating. So it might be a little distracting, but I wouldn't change it. So there's, there's certain kind of quirks that you really want to keep that they're the original you. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned a hand movements. Now I have my camera a little bit tighter, so you really can't see if I'm moving my hands unless I move them up by my head. But so many people think I shouldn't move at all. I should be a statue. Well, that doesn't look good either. No, in traditional media, um, usually it is more static. And and you'll notice that commentators um, aren't moving from even when the frame is from here to here, because that's standard mm-hmm. media practice. So typically you want to follow the, the show. Mm-hmm. You want to follow the host and what is the host doing? Because that also, uh, you don't know where the cameras are exactly. So you want to just watch the host mm-hmm. lead. But there are statistics that show that come from science of people analyzing gestures for TED Talks. And the people who have more gestures have much higher rating. Simon Sinek, Temple Grandin, 600 mm-hmm. or more 
gestures. Mm -hmm. So people are more engaged, the more gestures you have. And I noticed that when Vanessa Van Edwards, who is head of science of people goes on Mm -hmm. even traditional media where there's a table, she is still using her hands Mm -hmm. like this. And she's very lively, even if the hosts aren't. So that's part of your choice Mm -hmm. about how, but what still is more your head, you're not Mm -hmm. doing extraneous movement. Or you're using your head and body forward and back or side Mm -hmm. to side or whatever to be expressive of your point. Mm -hmm. And that's really key. But most of the time, you're going to be very still and your body Mm -hmm. is going to be stable. And um, yeah, so that's part of your your choice Mm -hmm. and whether or not you want to follow the host lead. Right. And you mentioned the host. And I love that so much because it really is your responsibility and not your booker, not your whoever, as you said, you listened to a couple of our programs in advance so that you knew, okay, this is kind of the flow. Here's here's what we do. Now, I'm not sure if you listen to the whole hour. Sometimes five minutes probably would have got you enough, right? Oh, I listened to several whole hours. I oh, love you. Love you. <laughs> um, but, you know, knowing what they're like is is so much, you know, I, I actually started my career in, in public relations, the best place you possibly could. I started with the American Cancer Society in Denver, in Colorado. Yes. So that meant that you know we were helping people. The media loved hearing from us, things like that. And you know, but I had a committee that went out and spoke because we always felt it was better to have volunteers that that gave our our uh, interviews as opposed to just the talking head. You know, there were times where the talking head was appropriate. But so I had this wonderful woman. Her name is Jane Dvorak. She is she is the queen of PR. Um, you know, she was the head of PRSSA uh, P- and PRSA. You know, mm-hmm. all sorts of things. So knew exactly what she was doing. So we sent her on a, a media tour when we were talking about prostate cancer, and, you know, and so we of course knew who we were. You know, it was it was all very scheduled, all these various things, and and so one of the the radio stations was kind of the the two personalities that would be sixteen year old boys. <laughs> right. <Sure. laughs> I see where this is going. Yes. And <laughs> she let them have their fun and giggles. And then she said, that's really funny, guys. But I'm here today to talk to you about a very serious subject. And they turned on a dime and followed her lead. I mean, they, you know, they they were very professional, but we knew they would do that. Um, you know, and 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 obviously we wouldn't have sent her if it was going to be a problem. Um, but yeah, she knew, so so she did. She just she acknowledged them. She, you know, and she, you know, I was there and she's like shaking her head. Um, she kind of talked to him like, you know, they were 16-year-old boys, but then she immediately started talking to him like they were adults and they responded and it was a, a perfect interview. Well, people follow your lead and you never want to diss the host or or try to change them because the only person you have control of is yourself. And that's a big job, mm-hmm. right? But to be able to shift the conversation like that in an organic way really takes some skill who, that your, mm-hmm. uh, your person, you know, who had a PR SSA obviously had that skill mm-hmm. and was very skilled in that and had probably, you know, dealt with all of those kind of jokes about the bomb or whatever, <laughs> And know that that's that could happen on this oh, kind yeah. of show, right? Like, yeah. So that's so it's about knowing the host and knowing their style mm-hmm. and being prepared for those kinds of things. Like when mm-hmm. I prepped clients for Howard Stern, mm-hmm. well, there's going to be inappropriate questions right. for sure. Mm-hmm. On Terry Gross, they're going to be very deep questions. Mm-hmm. 
that we need to prepare for. Mm -hmm. And knowing that that show, you know, was, is edited. So you want to say the, you know, even if a show is edited, sometimes it can be more difficult because Mm -hmm. they get to choose then. If you're saying the more you say, Mm -hmm. the more they get to choose Mm -hmm. what to use versus if it's condensed, then you're choosing and giving Mm -hmm. the best possible answers. And that's one of the ways that we control perception Mm -hmm. and we control the narrative that we want out there. Right. Well, speaking of the narratives, other things that that I was reading in your book that reminded me, oh gosh, you know, is were things like, don't say no comment. So talk to us about that because there are obviously times where we don't want to respond, but what the heck do we do? So if if there's something that you don't want to talk about, one phrase that will always, that will save your skin is, I don't know about that. And what I do know is, and then you jump right into that. But another thing that you can use is humor. Mm -hmm. Like, what did I hear on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Um, It was, that's, that's one of my favorite shows with Peter Sagal. I don't know if you know that show. No. He, I, he was interviewing, I think it was a rap guy or something. Mm-hmm. And he asked him a personal question and he goes, um, you know, that's a question that I'm absolutely never going to answer unless I can say, and then he went into, <laughs> I like you know, that. yeah, so it's a little bit of buying time and there was a lot of laughter, but by saying no comment, you're, mm-hmm. you're putting up a full stop. Right. And you're also and you're waving a red flag. They're yeah. like, "Ooh, what's there?" I really want to get in there. Mm-hmm. So then a reporter, you know, or a host really would like to dig, mm-hmm. right? So by by gracefully evading it and to be able to turn anything into, you know, even a buy time question like that's such a fascinating question that I'm never going to answer is a funny way, you know, to just evade it. So something it's, it's partly your attitude. And if you can say it in a way that's not rude like that, that's absolutely fascinating. And we will never be, we will never be going in that direction where we can go is, and then you offer alternative. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's, it's the same thing as if somebody were to say, tell me how old you are, you know, I, you, you know, you rather than saying, well, I'm not going to tell you, or that's rude. You can say, my mother told me that I should not address that. Or your, or the, my favorite, I'm old enough to know better than to answer that. <laughs> oh, that's a great answer. I love that. I'm going to remember that. I'm old, enough, I'm old enough to know better not to answer that question for you. Right. Yeah, right. right. You know, and again, that's really where wonderful. being prepared is, mm-hmm. you know, is, is you know, where you're going to be able to, to get through those situations. I, 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 yes, it's the preparation and the, and being able to field any of those kind of questions, whether they're too, and know where your uh, hot spots are, mm-hmm. you know, what triggers you or what's going to get under your skin mm-hmm. so we can prepare to not have that happen or mm-hmm. when it does to lessen it. And that's right. where the cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. where it's actually, as I learned from one of my clients who's a psychiatrist, that this is actual training to lessen fear mm-hmm. is to actually keep mm-hmm. doing it over and over and over again until it loses its charge. Mm-hmm. And when I train with clients, like if it is an aggressive show, like 60 minutes or, mm-hmm. or, um, or, you know, Bill of uh, the Bill O'Reilly mm-hmm. type show, or just any kind of controversial mm-hmm. show, um, I'll be super, super, super aggressive and neat, nasty mm-hmm. and mean. So they can get used to that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and really understand what it feels like to what the energy of that is, because mm-hmm. that's what I think most people don't understand. And they haven't experienced is like, mm-hmm. um, they can might see the question on paper, but when it's asked in such a right. way 
It can be really derogatory mm-hmm. or mean mm-hmm. or aggressive or in or invasive or in or um too intimate. Then mm-hmm. it's like <gasps> you get the feeling and then you're like, mm-hmm. and then you're and then you don't breathe mm-hmm. and then you don't know where to go. So right. it's it's really understanding that mm-hmm. and then be able to body manage mm-hmm. in that, those kind of situations. Yeah. Right. You know, I remember another time when I was at the Cancer Society, I, I took a phone call from one of our local gotcha reporters. And and but she was she was incredibly professional. You know, she never did a story that was, you know, um, if if it was a negative story, it was it it needed to be a negative story. Like I remember she ran a big um thing one time on uh how the the uh city workers were napping on the job. You know, that's not a good, you know, and, and, but, but so, you know, I answer the phone, she tells me who she is and, and my first reaction that I didn't do was to hang up. I mean, I, I came so close to, right. (laughs) And, but I didn't, I said, you know, thank you for calling. How can I help you? And she explained that she had talked to a former employee Gotta love it when they've talked to former employees, right? That's almost always a sign that this is not going to be good. Um, and and she said, you know, that they had discovered that that the American Cancer Society was investing where we shouldn't be investing. We were we were actually investing in Philip Morris stock, <laughs> right? And and she said, you know, I want to talk to you about that. Now we're on the phone. This is not an interview, you know. And and so I said. I would like to research this, you know, let me get back with you. When is a good time? Because then I knew what her deadline was, things like that. And then I ran around, you know, after we hung up, kind of like chicken little with my head cut off and discovered that she was right. And what had happened was we had this wonderful investment broker and they were told make money. Oh, wow. (laughs) And then nobody ever looked to see what they did. So, of course, immediately we divested that stock. Um, we developed a plan. This is, you know, here's here's who who we can yeah. invest in. Here's who we avoid. All those various things. I called her back, and and I said, okay, here's what we have done. You know, and, and I went through all of that, and I said, my CEO is is ready whenever you are are wanting to come out, or does he need to come to you? I mean, you know, we were, you know, uh, I and and her response was, well, there's no story now. and but you know it was it really was one of those things where it was a good thing for us to find out but because i treated her with respect she treated us with respect uh that's such a great lesson i think to treat everyone always with respect no matter what and that now more than ever people are looking at the brand behind the brand Mm -hmm who, um, what are your values? What do you stand for? Mm -hmm. And that is incorporated into Mm -hmm. that is who do you invest with? Who do you support? Mm -hmm. And that's becoming increasingly important to millennials, but increasingly important to everyone where we're in a more transparent world Mm -hmm. or where people can find out pretty much anything Mm -hmm. on the internet to be clean and to be clear Mm -hmm. about all of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. And if there's anything that's not congruent to make it right, which you Mm -hmm. did. Because you were unaware of that in the, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, not everyone your invest your your brokers weren't mm-hmm. on board with what was mm-hmm. okay in making money, but not on something that's directly opposed to what we're trying to accomplish. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Our, the, having the big cigarette maker as somebody we yeah. were investing yeah. in was kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah, a little um, bit. Counterintuitive. 
do it. You know, and it always helps. I tell people, Google yourself. What is somebody going to find about you, whether you're doing a media interview or not? And I was uh, doing some uh, job training with somebody one time, and, and he was so funny. He showed me his uh, his his letter that he would send, you know, when he was when we actually physically sent letters and resumes, right? And and it said, you know, please know when you research me, which I know you will do, I am not the murderer. <laughs> he had the same name oh as God. someone else, and so he just immediately was was going to stop that, nip it in the bud, do all of those yeah. various things. I'm not the murderer. Not yeah, the I'm not the murderer. Out of your voice, out of your, uh, you know, I'm not the murderer. When you Google me, I'm not the murderer. Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and and he did it in a way, and you talk about this in your book that had humor. You know, when you Google me, and I know you will. Yes. <laughs> you yes. um, and so, talk to us about how. We can have humor and now, you know, obviously there's appropriate humor, but talk to us about why that is important to have humor. Humor is a pattern interrupt, meaning it creates a, it creates a gap Mm -hmm. that opens our minds. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that it's the, it's one of the universal connectors Mm -hmm. that, that we all, we all love, but most important, it's a pattern interrupt. Mm -hmm. And there's other kinds of pattern interrupts, which can be something like just raising your voice a little. You know, or saying and saying your name, Deb. Mm-hmm. And so, if I wanted to interrupt you, I might say your name just a little bit louder, right? And then you just pause for a second, and then I can jump in. Mm-hmm. So it's something just as simple as that. It's a pattern interrupt, but it's also a way to really connect and humanize you to say that you're not going to be offended and that you don't take yourself so seriously too that you're um that you're a person that you remember you know the, the whole saying about like is the president somebody that I want to have a beer with mm-hmm. it's not that it's not necessarily about that casualness but it's mm-hmm. like do we like you and are you are you I think it's more about not necessarily do we like you but are you human? Right. And are you relatable? Mm-hmm. So I would say more about being relatable. Mm-hmm. That's what's important to people today. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and we do look at when when people are being interviewed, you know, would we want to spend time with them? Would we want to have a meal with them, a drink with them? You know, and, and there's an awful lot of them, I think, no. <laughs> no. And and some of it is just because. I can't relate. I mean, you know, uh, Kardashians would be a great example. I I wouldn't have any idea what to say, what to do. I mean, they're probably pretty fascinating people. Someone again like Oprah. She is is one of those people where not only would she she be fun to be, she'd put me at ease so that when I went a couple of times, she would be able to, to say, oh, "Okay." Um, you know, and 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 we've all seen people that that do that and do that very well, whether they're the interviewee or the interviewer. The the hosts that are really successful know how to handle people who bumble and fumble and freeze. You don't want to be that person, mm-hmm. at least, you know. And if you are, which happens to all of us, they're they're they have their ways to help. They're your your safety mm-hmm. net. Right. Um, in that in that time. So they're professional and they want you to look good. They want the show to be great or they want the article to turn out well. And so they're really in your camp mm-hmm. and they just really want a great um, they want to push 
give something great to their audience. That mm-hmm. is really their ultimate goal. So mm-hmm. to keep that in mind, you know, what um, Albert Einstein said is like, do you believe we live in a friendly universe or not? So when you mm-hmm. hold that philosophy mm-hmm. in your mind, then mostly that's what shows up. Does it mm-hmm. always show up? You know, there are unfriendly right. parts of the universe that come happen anyway, just mm-hmm. given the world that we live in mm-hmm. today. And for 99% of it, this is a friendly universe and people mm-hmm. are good. Right. You know, and, and as we mentioned, they have a job to do and they want it to, to be a good job. You know, they don't want to, they certainly don't want it to be something that they can't use, you know, where they got you so shook up or, or whatever. Now, there are those that are, I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're not talking about the shock jocks and the people who really just think it's, it's great fun to, and, and I'll be honest, if I ever had a client that wanted to go be interviewed by somebody like that, I would say no. Mm. You know, not unless you are really prepared. You have to be really prepared. Right, right. And you, know, you have to, like, some of my clients really love the controversy. I want, some of them have really discussed when we do the controversial mm-hmm. angle, when they do have a, a controversial point of right. view. Um, it can be super fun because mm-hmm. the energy of it right. is, like, super dynamic, mm-hmm. right? So it can be super fun to mm-hmm. be on opposite sides. Mm-hmm. But you have to be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And one of the other things that you talked about in your book, and and you know, this is always something that I have have told people, there is no such thing as off the record. No. You know, and and so talk to us a little bit more about that. Whatever you say can and will be used. So you mm-hmm. never ever want to utter anything that you don't want to see in print or forever mm-hmm. on the internet. And that's just a rule. I mean, to me, even when I text, when I have something to say, mm-hmm. I don't even put it into a text mm-hmm. or an email. Um, and, uh, you know, will my phone calls all be recorded? I hope not. Mm-hmm. But if I have something to say that I would never want repeated, I do it either in person mm-hmm. or or on the phone mm-hmm. because it's sensitive and it can't be misinterpreted. Mm-hmm. But in our world today, um, we do need to we do need to know that everything is always on record. It always has been, even right. if a reporter says it's mm-hmm. off record. But to be really extra careful because things can be so easily manipulated mm-hmm. and misconstrued, right, and taken out of context. Mm-hmm. And I've definitely had that happen to myself and my clients too, taking a quote out of context and putting it, and you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense the way it is, but you don't have control of that. That's why we work so hard at keeping things in context and making things so it's very difficult Mm -hmm. to take it out of context. That takes a lot of practice. It does. Yeah. And when every person has a camera in their hand, (laughs) you just kind of always have to be aware of that. I remember. You know, when uh, Bo Pelini was the coach at Nebraska. Now, I am a University of Colorado person. Nebraska is the arch enemy. Um, you know, and, and, and we just, you know, didn't like him in, in general. And, and uh, I remember one time he was and he was talking to his team. So this is in the locker room. You know, this is not in front of a bunch of donors or anything like that. And he said some pretty controversial things. And of course, somebody had their their smartphone going and they recorded it and they posted it and it dang near got him fired you know and mm-hmm. and but one of his comments was well i didn't think anybody would be filming it i you know i tell people just assume somebody is you know and and so just don't ever say something that you don't want posted on somebody's tiktok or or all those things and, and 
we see that all the time now, right? You know, that's, that's, I think it seems like a good portion of what the media is covering are those things where somebody has taken that video. Good, bad, whatever. Idea. I heard Jack Cornfield talking about. I don't. I don't remember who it was, but it was some um, spiritual leader who decided that they weren't going to gossip, which means not talk about anyone else when they weren't there, and mm-hmm. it eliminated ninety percent of mm-hmm. their speech. Right. Mm-hmm. So, but I think that's a really great practice anyway, and to take it into your mm-hmm. media is to obviously never say anything negative about another person. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can still make a point and you can still line up your facts when to right or wrong, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And get behavioral evidence is the mm-hmm. way I would say. So mm-hmm. it's the it's the quote unquote as close to the truth as it can be, mm-hmm. but, but as and, and as least interpreted mm-hmm. as possible, right? Right. Right. Yeah. You know, and as we said, they're doing their job. And there have been times where I've been interviewed and they have said, tell us X, and I don't know. I mean, you know, and, and so what I, what I have done is I'm always very truthful and I will say, you know, Susan, I don't have that number off the top of my head, but I'll get it for you. Absolutely. That's a great answer. You know, and, and things never, like that. Never answer. If you don't know, answer with, I don't know. And I'll, and I'll get that information for you. Right. Yeah. And they probably don't care, They're not, you know, depending on what it is, but yeah. but yeah, I mean, you just, you deflected without really turning it completely off. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so it's, it's that, you know, and it really does, as we've been saying, it comes back to being prepared and knowing, you know, that, that you can and can't do this. I worked for uh, a company one time, we were doing media training and we came to the conclusion that the CEO was not a good interview. He just wasn't, he, you know, he was not going to be one of those people who was going to be a good interview. Now, fortunately, <laughs> He recognized that himself. <laughs> you know? And so what we did was we trained where he would take the initial whatevers and then say, here's who's going to answer those questions for you. And, and then he stayed there. You know, he didn't run away. And yeah, every once in a while, somebody would direct a question to him again. But yeah, he knew that he was not a good interview and in a variety of ways. So sometimes we have to come to that realization too, is it's just not going to happen. Or it might be that you're not a good camera interview, but you could be a good print interview, things like that. It's wonderful to be able to recognize that and then to work within those parameters too, because maybe that CEO, even though he wasn't a natural, could become competent. But I've talked to a lot of um, PR people who do PR for a company or they're the marketing department. And when I hear the marketing person talking, I'm thinking, well, you should be the spokesperson. Right. Oh, all the messaging down. You don't even need any training. Mm-hmm. You're telling me what the messaging is. And they're like, yes, but the CEO mm-hmm. needs to be the front of the mm-hmm. of the business. And so I'm like, that's too bad because mm-hmm. you as the marketing person could step into this mm-hmm. role ASAP. Right. But, but I think we do want to hear most of the time from the CEO or mm-hmm. the Right. And so they can, I never, you, you never know what you're capable of. Mm-hmm. So we might say that he starts or she or they start at this point and we think that they'll never become great. And maybe they won't become, a, a, you know, a fantastic charismatic mm-hmm. leader, but they can become a really good one and one who who is capable of expressing their personality to the fullest. Because lots of times when people are nervous, and when they're uncertain, they have a different personality than when they're comfortable right. and and fluid mm-hmm. in and feel comfortable in their own skin. So it's getting to that point mm-hmm. of being comfortable in your own skin. And I think that's possible for 
maybe 80% of the people. I don't know about the percentage, you know, not everyone, but I think it's possible in a lot of different cases with that kind of practice and determination mm-hmm. and them wanting to do it. That That's really key is right. them wanting to have that mm-hmm. kind of personal and professional growth. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, I think, number one, right. the willingness. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, oh my gosh, Susan, this has been so much fun. And like I said, it's, it's, you know, old home week for me to be able to talk about this again. And it's, it's so much fun, but we do have to end. We just have to have you on again, because I, I think these are, like I said, fabulous tips for people, whether they're being interviewed on 60 minutes or by their little local hometown newspaper, or, you know, at a, a board meeting, you know, things like that, you know, all of this does tie together. It's about being prepared, practicing all of those things. But tell us how you can help someone with that. So at PRSecrets.com, you can go. And the one question that you're always going to be asked is, why do you do what you do? Why did you write your book? Why did you start your business? So we have a special report. It's um, five different templates that you can do in five minutes. Mm -hmm. And it's PRSecrets.com forward slash SIG pod, S-I-G-P-O-D, just like signature mm-hmm. podcast, because mm-hmm. that's your signature story. And if you want to engage further with me, I have some openings for one-to-one clients. And also, I'm I'm just opening up, Deb, something that I haven't done before, but I'm doing like a thought leader in a mm-hmm. day, kind of a training, which is get mm-hmm. it done in a day for people who want to become thought leaders, but don't necessarily... Yeah want mm-hmm. to do it over time, mm-hmm. but we really want mm-hmm. to condense, condense it down. So mm-hmm. that's something new that I'm just, mm-hmm. that I'm just opening up to people mm-hmm. who are, because I think a lot of people do want to become thought leaders and, and really make a difference in their mm-hmm. space. Right. So, and then I have my course, Zen of Fame, mm-hmm. uh, Your Genius Gone Viral, that is self-paced that you can do on your own, that I based on my book that has the three sections, messaging, most important, first, system set up. So mm-hmm. PR brings people to your door, hot leads, you open the door and um, usher them through. Mm-hmm. And the last part is how to set up a campaign that is true to your energy and your style. And yeah, so that was inspired from my book. Thank you for reading it. And um, based on that, and those are some of the options that we can, however, we can engage together. Perfect. I love it. And again, that's prsecrets.com. Like public relations secrets. Yes. Yep. I love it. I love it. Well, Susan, you know, this really has been absolutely delightful and and I can't wait to do it again. Do you have any final thoughts that you want to leave everyone with? Gandhi said, my life is my message. And I think that when all of the congruencies of your life really are your life is your message, then your business succeeds and your offer succeeds and it connects directly to the it connects directly to the people who really are your perfect clients or customers and who want to engage with you in your business. And that's one of my very favorite sayings. I love it. Well, this has been such a delight and I cannot wait to do it again. I'm Deb Creer. I've been talking with Susan Haro. And until next time, everyone have a great day. Tune in for our next program for even more trends, best practices, and techniques for how to make your business a success. The Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer, is proud to be part of the C-Suite Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.